This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Subway to Shea podcast, Anthony Rivera, here with you, talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets, episode 84, from the Subway to Shea studios in my office, this is a special bonus edition of the Subway to Shea podcast, a bonus episode. I said I would be doing this from time to time and saving these type of episodes for interviews with special guests. And today's interview is the first time I'm having a guest on twice on this podcast. So without further ado, let's get right into it with my special guest. So joining me now to preview the crucial series between the Mets and the Braves with huge division title implications this weekend is none other than Justin Toscano. You may remember Justin coming on the show last year as the Mets beat writer for The Record and NorthJersey.com. Well, Justin turned to the dark side, Mets fans, and is now the Atlanta Braves beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. In all seriousness, I've always loved Justin's coverage for the Mets, and he does a great job down in Atlanta, so I thought it'd be great to have him on. He's the only guest so far to come on twice on this show, and I appreciate it. Justin, welcome back to the Subway to Shape podcast, man. Thanks, Anthony. So it all really comes down to this series here. Mets a game up on the Braves after Wednesday's extra inning dramatics for both teams. Mets beat the Marlins in 10, 5-4. The Braves lost to the Nationals in 10, 3-2. They both have three more games with each other, and then they'll go and play against Washington. The Mets will play Washington. Atlanta goes to Miami. Michael Mayer of Mets Marais tweeted these scenarios. If the Mets got swept, they would be down two games without a tiebreaker. If they win one game, then they're tied with the tiebreaker. And if the Mets win two, they'll be two up with the magic number one. If the Mets sweep, they clinch the division. We know anything can be possible in baseball. We've seen it with the Mets in the past. But these six games this weekend, this scenario really favors the Mets and puts a lot of pressure on the Braves. Do you agree? Yeah, of course, 100%. I think the Braves did really well with the backs against the wall this year. So I expect them to come out firing. But it's just hard to sweep this Mets. Team. I mean, it's a different Mets team watching them from afar, not as closely, but I haven't seen them a lot this year. It's like these guys grind out at bats, uh, grind out your starters. I think like the most Max Freed and Spencer Strider have been worked uh, this second half has been against the Mets. And so I think, um, I mean, I think it's going to be a tough series, but I do I do agree that it favors the Mets. I mean, they, they can come in here, the top three starters, win one of them, and be in pretty good position. Like they can still lose a series and have the tiebreaker and I think when you've got DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett going you should be able to take one of them and look like I think the division is a goal for everybody but if you would have um, told the Mets you know six, seven, eight months ago that they'd have a chance to win the division, uh, a good chance to win the division if they just took one of three games in Atlanta on that final weekend you know one of the final weekends of the year I think they would have taken it. Let's talk about the weather because that has been a big deal this week with Hurricane Ian coming through the southeast 
A colleague of yours, Mark Bowman, who is the Braves beat writer for MLB.com, tweeted, the latest forecasts indicate rain will not be an issue during this weekend's Mets-Braves series at Truist Park. What are you hearing on the weather front right now? Is it the same as Mark? Any updates on you know the planned scenario to get these games in? Yeah, so, I mean, right now, uh, I looked at my weather app before my flight back from D.C. this morning, and it looked all clear, uh, and it still looks clear. I mean, could there be some showers? Sure, but I, I think this is probably the best-case scenario from where it looked uh, earlier in the week. And MLB obviously has the utmost sense of urgency to get these games in because they need to be played. There were a couple, or I was hearing that there were a couple different scenarios that could have happened if rain impacted the series and one of those being that Friday's game could have been moved to a day game if that would have been easier for it to play. Uh, Sunday could have been a split doubleheader because it was supposed to be Saturday that was supposed to be the uh, highest chance of all day rainfall but that doesn't even look like the case anymore so they might not even need to employ any of those strategies and uh, the kind of the last ditch effort that I had heard was if necessary they you know could have played one of those games on October 6th which is the, uh, the day after the regular season finale for both teams um, could have played it, you know, one of those, one or two of those games that day if they were still necessary for deciding the NLC champion. But it doesn't look like it's actually going to come to that. I mean, it looks, it looks pretty clear. I mean, I, I want to knock on wood because you never know when things can change, but it, I mean, it looks like it's it, the worst of it's going to miss us. Yeah, and I heard like the possibility of maybe moving tomorrow's game, making it a day game. I don't know if that's still in play, especially now if, if the weather's changing. Did you hear anything about that? Maybe moving tomorrow's game and making it like maybe around four o'clock game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I heard her that was a possibility if they needed to, but um, I don't think I don't think that's going to come to pass just because the weather looks so much better now that. Um, I don't think you really need to, um, or at least what, what I've looked at. I mean, obviously things change, or I'm not following the radar specifically. I'm just looking at the chances, which are dictated by the radar. But um, so I guess it could change. But the reason I don't see it happening is because I think they would only do that if they absolutely had to. The Braves at all costs want a packed house uh, on a Friday night uh, with the people who paid, you know, to go to the game there, able to go and paying for food, beer, all that stuff. And so I think that would not occur unless it were absolutely necessary. And it doesn't look like the weather is going to deem it necessary, though I could be wrong. Well, you could not have asked for better pitching matchups for the most important series of the year than what we were getting this weekend. I retweeted what you wrote last night. Friday, Max Fried versus Jacob deGrom. Saturday, Kyle Wright versus Max Scherzer. Sunday, Charlie Morton versus Chris Bassett. Which matchup are you looking forward to the most here? Man, I mean... You'd be remiss to say, I, I don't think you can go with anything but Freed and DeGrom. Uh, just because you look at, like, early in the season, as baseball fans, we kind of suffered because DeGrom wasn't on the mound. The game's just better when he is. And Max Freed is really pitching his way into being one of baseball's true aces. I know people have different definitions of that, but he's really pitched really, really well and should get, you know, a hefty Cy Young consideration for what he's done this year. That one on a Friday night, important game with the Braves' backs against the wall, the Mets really only needing to win one of those games, um, and DeGrom with a chance to make it even tougher for the Braves. Like, that's going to that's gonna be a really good game. But, I mean, it just goes, you know, it goes to show you don't know what to expect because a year ago I would have never thought that we would look this highly at a Max Scherzer-Kyle Wright uh, matchup. But, I mean, Kyle Wright's been just tremendous this year, especially at home. Uh, and I think that one's going to be interesting too. But it's 
it's good that both teams got their top three guys. Now the Braves are missing Spencer Strider, but uh, I mean, it's it's going to be a really fun series, but. Man, that Freed Degrom matchup is uh is looking like a juicy one. Yeah, I have to agree with you. I think Freed is an ace. Uh, you got Degrom. We know what Degrom is. Then you got Freed coming in here. Obviously, the ace of the staff for the Braves, and they Mets have not been able to hit lefties this season. This is going to be quite a good matchup. Uh, you mentioned uh, Spencer Strider, and I wanted to get into that because you know both teams have you know suffered through injuries this season and have mm. come through it a lot stronger and on the Braves end though and I'll get into Spencer Strider in a little bit how much have they missed Ozzy Albies this season yeah I think it's a lot um and look like when you uh kind of look at them it's like they've gotten that production right whether it be like Orlando Arcia having a good stretch here or there like Vaughn Grissom being one of baseball's best rookies since the time he's been up like they've gotten that production but they've really missed Ozzy Albies, who brings energy, who's a leader on the field, uh, who's a leader for some of the guys who are younger, like he is. Um, they, that's a presence you can't, like you can have it in the clubhouse if he's rehabbing or recovering, but you can't replace it on the field in the dugout, things like that. Like that. And then in terms of, that's like a two-time Silver Slugger Award winner, uh, an all-star second baseman, a guy who really this year would lengthen your lineup a lot. And so I would say that they've missed him a ton, even if it might not show. Like, the Braves are still going to win 100 games, you would think. And, like, I mean, they'll still, you know, they're still in the playoffs. They still might win the division at this point. Um, but that's a big loss just because of what he means on, you know, on the field and in the clubhouse for them and in the dugout. Well, we're talking about missing players. You know, Matt Olson has struggled over the last 30 days, has a 171 batting average, three home runs, nine RBIs, 33 strikeouts. His batting average is not close to Freddie Freeman at all, but he has been solid this season, uh, driving in runs, 30 home runs, 96 RBIs. What is the feel coming out of Atlanta in the front office with the fan base now a full season into that switch from letting uh, Freeman go? Yeah, I think the feel is you kind of got to wait and see. Um, and it, it, and I say that because, you know, not paying Freddie Freeman, him signing with the Dodgers, uh, this was always going to be a situation where the Braves hope the Matt Olson trade and subsequent contract extension worked out in the long term. Um, so their hope, you know, hope is that he's producing past, you know, when Freeman might retire with that eight-year deal. And so, like, um, it, it's kind of a wait-and-see thing. But I think you look Look at, you know, he's, he's struggled. Uh, is he Freddie Freeman? No. Um, but he, you know, he was never going to beat Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman is a tremendous baseball player on both sides of the ball. Matt Olson's a great ball player too. And like, that's not taking anything away from him. He's had a rough year in spurts, um, had a few, you know, a few, maybe a few more errors than he would have liked. But when you look at it, 30 home runs, almost 100 RBIs, like despite whatever slumps or things he's had, like the run production has been there. And I think that's simply probably just what you need from a first baseman like that, uh, especially if he's going to give you pretty good defense, which he has, except for some plays here and there. Um, so I just think that it's more of like a wait and see thing. I know everybody everybody knows Freddie right now is probably the better first baseman. But I think that in time, the Braves hope that getting Matt Olson at the price they did and for how it, long they did is going to even out in the long run of saying like okay this he's eventually going to give them more than freddie would when freddie's you know in his mid to late 30s now the braves success and turnaround has been tied with the emergence of spencer strider michael harris and vaughn grissom grissom has cooled a little bit spencer strider is dealing with a strained left oblique same as max scherzer has 
He's on the IL, won't pitch this weekend. Is he done for this season, or will he be ready for postseason play whenever the Braves start come uh, October? Yeah, I think the hopes that he'll be ready for postseason play. Now, uh, as you guys in New York have come to find out, you just never know oblique injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can be weird and tricky and funky, and you just don't know. Um, at first glance, I thought the Braves were just trying to be a little cautious with him, but he actually did experience, I don't know if it's a set, you know, you call it a setback, but he tried to get off the mound and throw uh, right before they put him on the IL. And it just, you know, he felt something and they didn't want him to blow his oblique and, you know, trying to pitch in a start. And so he's eligible uh, the day before the wild card series start uh, to return. Now, whether he actually will is another question because he had to, you know, completely start over with his throwing progression. And you just never know what those oblique injuries is. You guys have kind of become accustomed to figuring out. But I think the, the hope is obviously that, you know, I don't, nobody's ruling him out quite yet. Once again, I'm here with Justin Toscano, Atlanta Braves beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and former beat writer for the Mets, for the record, and NorthJersey.com. Justin, I mentioned Michael Harris. I can't stand him. Not that I don't like him. I just can't stand that he's just so good. He's had an unbelievable season. He's so clutch. 305 batting average, 19 home runs, 64 RBIs, 20 stolen bases. What is Harris's impact in that clubhouse as a rookie? Yeah, it's it's ginormous. Um, and he hasn't. It doesn't seem like he's tried to do too much from the standpoint of like being in the clubhouse or being a leader. I think he. The best thing about him probably is just that he's let his play do that talking. I mean, the the kid is incredible. Like in terms of just everything he does. Uh, you know, manager Brian Snicker a couple of days ago was kind of said like he didn't know. Honestly, he didn't know if. They, the Braves would be where they are without Harris. And I, I agree. I mean, you look at Spencer Strider was put in the rotation late May. Michael Harris came up in late May. And the team's been completely different since. And one of the reasons is because of the ripple effect he's having on the roster, giving them an elite defensive center fielder. Um, and you've also got a guy, he's hitting, you know, 300. And, you know, hit, he has 19 home runs and has stolen 20 bases. Like, he's a five-tool center fielder. And all of those tools have shown up in his rookie season which is very, very rare. And so I think like that uh, now Adam Duvall's hurt, but Michael Harris allowed uh, Adam Duvall to shift over to left field. Um, and he gave them a better center fielder, which makes the outfield defense better. And that's been crucial because at times Ron Lacuna hasn't been playing in right field because of knee soreness or back soreness or different ailments he's had. Um, and then he Harris lengthens the lineup. And then you talk about, yeah, you want to look at how many home runs he has in innings seven through nine or how he does with two outs and, you know, runs in scoring position or just the clutch aspect of what he is. Like, I think that has been a tremendous boost for a Braves team who really looked pretty flat before he came up. You just see two sides of the coins when you bring up prospects here. You got, you know, Strider and you have Harris and what Vaughn Grissom has been able to do in the short time that he's been playing and then you go across to where we are, and we haven't really had that success with a Brett Beatty yet, even though he had the you know that big first at bat with the home run. Not even Mark Vientos has been able to come in. So you, you got to take advantage when you get guys like Michael Harris, who has just given the Braves everything they've needed to be right in prime position to win this division. 
Right, right, absolutely, and I know like that's why, and it doesn't it doesn't work that way with every prospect, and I know that's why some Mets fans are probably very frustrated. It's probably a light term for it with uh, Billy Eckler not bringing up Mark Vientos or Brett Beatty or Francisco Alvarez, and really player development. I think it's just the Braves do a really good job at it at scouting and player development, and especially player development. And like, not every prospect is going to be a Michael Harris. But you never know unless you kind of take the chance. Like Francisco Alvarez could be ready or could, you know, and I think that Brett Beatty is a guy who I think he literally just needs to settle in and have a few weeks in the big leagues and get some regular at-bats, and he's going to be fine. I mean, the kid scorches the ball. Like, I just think he's going to be more than fine, as will Francisco Alvarez. But I just think it's the Braves have, for a contending team, the Braves have been uniquely aggressive in pushing players up to the major leagues. Now, I know you got to get going. So before I let you go, I always ask this when I have a guest on that covers the opposing teams. So I'm going to ask you it here. If the Mets want to win this series, what weakness will they need to expose from the Atlanta Braves? Oh, yeah, I think I think so. Two things. If the Mets want to win this series, I think their starters have to go at least seven innings. And then I think uh, they've got to score probably, you know, they've got to they've got to make the Braves. They've got to they've got to take advantage of the Braves strikeout tendencies. I think that's the big issue I saw when uh, for the Mets side when the Braves took three or four here last time was back in June when they played here and then in August when they played uh, early August when they played at City Field the Mets starters really had their way with the Braves uh, in terms of taking advantage of the strikeouts and things like that and the Braves kind of tweaked their approach to put more balls in play and to get more bats on balls and things like that the Mets have to return to that team because I, I think the Braves leading Major, you know, Major League Baseball and home runs um, and being up there in the power numbers, slugging, uh, OPS, like they can change a game with one swing. And I think that's going to be key. And then the Mets, like I think they just have a more specific recipe to winning. I think the Braves are probably a more complete team. And I only say that because if I'm the Mets and Jacob deGrom goes five, I've got to find a way to get to Edwin Diaz. Mm-hmm. Um, and that bullpen just has not been very good other than Edwin Diaz. And the pitching staff has shown some cracks. So I think it's going to be dependent on can Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer turn in good lengthy starts? And then can, you know, can the Mets pitching staff like miss bats? Like I know that's cliche, but it's just like the Braves are best held in check when you're the, the strikeout stuff is on because it's like they're not when they do put the when they do put the ball in play usually it's very hard hit. Yeah, and I think we're going to need to see the Mets offense from that series at City Field where they you know knocked Strider out early, where they got to Freed early, and we're getting the starting right. pitchers out you know before the fifth inning. I think that's the offense that's going to have to show up this weekend in Atlanta. It's not going to be easy, but we'll see what's going on with that. Um, Justin, I can't thank you enough for coming back on the podcast. Please let everyone know what you're working on and where they can follow you on social media. Yeah, yeah, no, working on a lot of things. Uh, we've got a podcast, we've got daily coverage, and I'm at Justin C. Toscano on Twitter. Justin, I look forward to having you on again. You enjoy the series, my friend. Have a good one. Thanks. You too, Anthony. Appreciate it, man. All right, that was Justin Toscano, Atlanta Braves beat writer for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and former Mets beat writer for The Record and NorthJersey.com. We're going to wrap up this special bonus episode right here. I hope you enjoyed it. More bonus episodes to come with more guests, so stay tuned. You can follow Subway to Shea on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok 
at Subway to Shea. Listen to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Pocket Casts. Turn on those notifications to never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. If you're a new listener to this podcast, welcome Thanks for joining us, and I hope you consider subscribing on any of the platforms I mentioned. Also, make sure to share it with your fellow Met fans. If you've been a supporter this whole entire time, you know that I can't thank you enough. This show wouldn't be where it is without you today, and because of you, Subway to Shea is global. This podcast is not only played in the United States, but also has reaches across the globe. So no matter where you listen, please take a few minutes to write me a review and let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week. So go on Apple Podcasts, rate the show from one to five stars. Hopefully you're giving me five stars and leave comments in the review section to help me make this show better each and every week. You can also rate the show on Spotify. If you listen on Spotify, there's a button I think there that you could rate from one to five stars. I don't know if there's comments, but there is a way to rate the show. Don't forget to follow my work for Rising Apple. Rising Apple is a New York Mets site on the fan-sided network. You can read my articles by going to risingapple.com or checking out the links in the description of this week's podcast episode. And make sure to follow Rising Apple on Twitter at Rising Apple Blog and the fan-sided network at fan-sided. My latest article on when should Timmy Trumpets return to City Field or make his next appearance? If you go on the description of this podcast, you'll see that article there. Give it a read. Let me know what you think about that. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I appreciate you all so very much. And that will do it for this week's podcast. Don't forget to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. And always remember, let's go Mets.